0: All new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete, affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C A N O T A M B O S.com and enter promo code TURNEDUP. One word, TURNEDUP for 20% off. CANO Tambos. It is the highest selling single ever. First of all, that's the first song that mentions Santa Claus. Second of all, that Santa had an assistant named Black Pete. So if you want a good Christmas song, ask a Jew. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Offering a glimpse inside the music industry. Shedding light on things they don't want you to know. And exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast. Presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Please don't crash, please don't crash. Please don't die today. And Robert Venable. Jive, 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 jive. Ho, 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 ho. whoa. whoa. That's kind of what we're going to call this this, uh, this podcast, I think. Merry Christmas. It is that time of year. It's that time of week. It's coming up this week. It is. Well, actually, I guess technically next Monday is Christmas, but uh, we're going to be celebrating with our families, so we're going to make this one the Christmas episode. And if you don't have Christmas lights and a Christmas tree up in your home, or a menorah if you are uh, Jewish... Right? Or then. the, uh, what's it called? The um, Festivus poll, if you are a Seinfeld <laughs> fan. <just laughs> you better hurry because Christmas is coming quick. It'd be Festivus for the rest of us. I'm excited about this one. I am too. Before we dive into it, sitting in front of me is my co host of the Turned Up Podcast. This is Jake Jones. Jake Jones, being one of my best friends in the whole world, is also a producer and engineer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist. Former guitar player for the rock band We As Human. Currently playing slash singing for the band As We Ascend, for which I played drums for. Um, but he's also a parkour specialist. I, uh, I now, I'm, Right now, I'm still just trying, like, jumping from, like, the first step to the second step on, like, a series of stairs. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> just randomly just jumping from one step to the other. Taking my time. Going to work my way up to more, more cool stunts, you know, like uh, maybe... Jumping over like small to medium sized rocks and some socks and things in your floor. Yeah, hardcore parkour. <laughs> uh, well, sitting across from me is one of the most incredible human beings who blessed me with a government spying device uh, recently for Christmas. If if you didn't listen to our last episode, uh, <laughs> yeah. In light of that, I did. I did. I gifted you with one of those an Amazon Echo Dot that listens to everything now. Uh, Um, he's, an amazing friend. He's Robert Venable. He's an award-winning producer, engineer, Grammy awards, Dove awards. He's a drummer for the band. As we ascend the guy writes incredible songs. Uh, he looks beautiful while he drinks water out of bottles. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and he's he's someone that I'm completely honored to work with. He's my co-host here on the Turned Up podcast, and uh, he is actually a parkour videographer. Uh, and he's <laughs> the reason why I got into it. Uh, yeah, he he googled hardcore parkour uh, videographers, and my name was first on the list. Um, and okay, was, on, on Fiverr actually, it was on five. It was five bucks, and I'll come video you jumping from stair to stair. And I did. And uh, I do like I have sweet like a GoPro, so I have that fisheye lens look to it and uh, I put a hardcore soundtrack behind it. Let's be honest, it's not a real GoPro. It's it's a knockoff GoPro. Um, it's a Wint amateur, and I used that thing uh, everywhere. Well, you do amazing work, and I'm sure that'll be your next big award is your parkour videos. I find myself often dreaming of parkour videos, but not only parkour videos. I also find myself dreaming of white Christmases. Mmm, That was beautiful. Did you like that segue? That was really nice. So this episode, we're going to talk about All things Christmas music, uh, caroling, the business side of it, but also some history about some Christmas songs that you probably don't know. And then while researching this, Jake and I just like, that's crazy. We had no idea. And so we want to share those little tidbits of information with you. There is a lot of cool stuff in here that uh, you will be thinking about this the next time you sing these incredibly popular Christmas songs. Very interesting. So we all know White Christmas. We all know that song. I'm dreaming of a white, you know. I know you're singing it right now, uh, but did you know that it was actually written by a Jewish songwriter? So someone who doesn't even celebrate Christmas was apparently dreaming of a white Christmas. Maybe he wanted to convert from Judaism and start celebrating Christmas. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he just saw an opportunity to make some money. I don't know. Well, well okay, so he was writing this. Uh, we don't know exactly when he wrote it. It was either 1938 or 39. Do you not remember? Um, I wasn't with him at this point. Okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, is- so I was retiring my retirement party from. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. From etching parkour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he was in either in New York City or Arizona. His his daughter was trying to recall exactly when it was. It might have been Christmas of 1938 when he was spending it alone by himself in Arizona and found himself, uh, you know, in some solitude and was able to write the song. Not sure when. I but, can see why in Arizona you might be dreaming of a white Christmas. It'd be the closest to a white Christmas you would get. Just looking at the sand. <laughs> dreaming of it. Um, but did you know that, so Irving Irving Berlin is the guy who uh, who penned this song. He also wrote God Bless America and There's No Business Like Show Business. Yeah. What's interesting about that is writing, besides White Christmas and God Bless America, he's actually from Russia. He was a Russian immigrant. Well, there you go. All the more reason to be thankful for for america you know so the song was made popular uh in the 40s when bing crosby actually cut it and it is the highest selling single ever not christmas songs but like any song any song how many 50 million copies and of course his version of silent night is the third highest selling uh, single of all time uh, interesting thing about Silent Night, actually, it's the most recorded Christmas song in history with over 733 different versions copyrighted since 78. That's incredible. 733 different versions of Silent Night just in the last, what, 30 years, 40 years? Right. Um, uh, dude. Oh, did you know that the author of the song, Irving Berlin, hated Elvis Presley? Like, was not a fan of Elvis's music. So when he Too found much up, hip gyration? I guess. I mean, I, that's why I liked Elvis Presley. I think that's why my grandma liked Elvis Presley. (laughs) She said something about that once. So he hated Elvis and found out that Elvis was doing a version of White Christmas. And he hated that so much. Like it infuriated him that he tried to prevent radio stations from playing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it didn't work. Obviously, we've all heard that. And Elvis's version still topped the Billboard charts. But just a little interesting fact about the writer. Well, in April of 1975, the American military played White Christmas over armed forces radio as a secret signal to tell soldiers in Vietnam to evacuate Saigon. It's weird how much the military radio plays into like like big wars or battles in history or big events. Right, yeah. Like we talked about the one um, down in Panama, the Panama invasion, um, and now here in the Vietnam to evacuate Saigon. And so... The song "White Christmas" in World War II was actually invoking a whole bunch of homesickness for the soldiers, but ironically enough, was the signal to get the heck out of Vietnam so you can go home. Um, in the Vietnam War. Wow. Yeah, just a little side note. So that's a little bit about "White Christmas," the song that we all sing so cheerfully as uh, this time of year comes around. But there's actually a whole history behind you it. You know, I saw a funny meme that said, "I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, but if all the white runs out, I'll take a red." you know, wine. I hashtag wine jokes. Totally did not get that. <laughs> Maybe you have to see the picture. It's just words. Maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> so Jake, in your opinion, what would you say is one of the most popular? Like if I said, name a Christmas song, name a Christmas song. First one that pops in my head. Uh, jingle bells. Jingle bells. Jingle Yeah. Bells. I think every child and adult who has ears in a, in a mouth knows the song and knows how to sing the song. Um it's kind and, of the first one I think I learned. Yeah, and when people say name a Christmas song, I say Jingle Bells. That's probably the first one that pops off pop top of my head. There's a lot of really fun uh, versions. Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin. Yeah, every, every fourth grader knows that one. But did you know that Jingle Bells was not actually written as a Christmas song? Really? It was penned by James Lord Pierpont to celebrate Thanksgiving in the 1850s. You're kidding. Nope. Thanksgiving. He, it's a Thanksgiving song. Well, he was a music director at his father's church. There's He had two churches, one in Savannah, Georgia, and one was in Medford, Massachusetts. And there's a little bit of controversy on which one of the churches he was writing this for at the time where he was in history. But he wrote the song for the Thanksgiving celebration at that church. And the kids enjoyed singing it so much that the uh, the people at the church said, hey, can we do this again and perform it for the Christmas presentation as well? And it just kind of caught on as being a Christmas song from then forward. Right. Well, and now it's totally known. You know, I, I did know that the song originally was called One Horse Open Slay, and that is just too, like, that's just too many words. But it makes sense. I mean, hey, you guys want to sing One Horse Open Sleigh? It's like, because One Horse Open Sleigh, it makes sense, but Jingle that's Bells. The, that's the hook. That was the hook going to be. Um, but Jingle Bells, I guess, was a little more catchy. It makes more sense. If you say, hey, sing Jingle Bells, I know exactly what song that is. Right? But Jingle Bells, fun fact... Was the first song ever performed in space. Interesting. I would have thought it'd been like, please don't crash, please don't crash. <laughs> I don't want this thing to crash. Well, it might have been sung to the same dude. Like, <laughs> please don't crash, please don't crash, please don't die today. Maybe, you know, something like that. And they're just like, uh, well, we can't say that we sung that, so we'll just say it was jingle bells. Um, you know, let's play a clip of that. I'd love to hear more about that. Tell me about it. So Gemini 6 and 7, way back in the day, back when you were, were you 80s or 90s? Yeah, I remember when I was, they were doing... I was putting the, the adult home and was uh, watching it on one of the little monitors there. Yeah, okay. So so back then, uh, Gemini 6 and 7, they had to link in orbit when they were reentering the atmosphere and they spotted a UFO. Um, so the transmission... What? Uh, quote, We have an object... Looks like a satellite going from north to south, probably in polar orbit. Looks like he might be going to re-enter soon. You just might let me pick up that thing. I see a command module and eight smaller modules in front. Hmm. I see what you're doing. wonder if there was a red light in the very front. (laughs) The pilot of the command module is wearing a red suit. So basically, just kind of, I wonder... When they announced that over, over the broadcast, uh, back the transmission back to Houston, if all the people in Houston were like, what what UFO? What are you talking about? Or if they kind of, <laughs> how long it took them to pick up on this? Well, and you know, in recent news, the government just... Oh, they just announced, yeah. They admitted the Pentagon was looking into uh, UFO research. Maybe this was, you know... The, that probably spawned that, I'm sure. is uh, the, Those smaller eight command... Modules, Dasher and Dancer and Donner <laughs> and Blitz and Comet and Cupid, and Sneezy and Sleepy and Dopey mm, and yeah, well, those are I, the I think dwarves. there were only seven of those. Well, know. Rudolph was the eighth, eighth dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked them. That's why he got kicked out and then <laughs> joined up with Santa and, and his team. Snow White got in the sleigh and gave away. Wait, am I? Uh, I feel uh, like I'm getting these stories whole mixed bunch up. Of stories that are <laughs> completely wrong, but I get it. Okay, so Silver Bells. We all know that song. Um, here's a little clip. bells silver bells It's Christmas time So that was written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans and originally was called Tinkle Bells <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me Well it's probably funny to you the same reason it was funny to Jay Livingston's wife who had to later explain to Jay that um by the way honey Tinkle is a synonym for urinating. So we're not going to call them Tinkle Bells anymore. We're going to call them Silver Bells. And that makes sense. I think that was a really good decision. Good call, Mrs. Livingston. I would not be upset if we went back to calling it Tinkle Bells. I think we should from this point forward. (laughs) Tinkle Bells. Tinkle Bells. (laughs) I'll have to go to the bathroom now. Wait. Do you hear what I hear? Said the Night Wind to the Little Lamb. I was actually talking about the uh, the title of that song. But yes, you caught on really quickly. Written by Noel Regney and Gloria Shane Baker back in 1962. Not as old as I thought it was. But do you know why it was written? Because uh, it's a beautiful Christmas song. It's got to be about Jesus, right? I mean, it talks about a little lamb and a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite and a little shepherd boy. Right. Um, actually, this has a lot of things to do with... Not so much with the birth of Jesus, but more so with uh, Fidel Castro. You're kidding. Nope, not at all. It was written as a plea for peace during the Cuban Missile Crisis. What? Yeah, and actually that little star dancing through the night with the tail as big as a kite is uh, not the star of Bethlehem. It's a missile. Wait. Yeah. Really? No lie. Holy cow. I just want to hear that song again. Think about it as a plea for peace during this war um, in this missile crisis. And uh, instead of thinking about the birth of Jesus, I mean, you can think about that too. Definitely don't downplay that. However, think about it from the writer's point of view as this like plea for peace during the missile crisis. And maybe we need to play it for North Korea. Uh. So last night, Roberto. Yes, sir. I uh, stayed up a little too late. Why? Caught something that I uh, probably shouldn't have seen. I thought we had this little deal where you're supposed to talk to me if you're feeling those kind of urges. And I'm supposed to talk you out of this. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to reply to that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, right? Yeah. We I know, know the song. song. I knew that. Yeah. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. <throat> And turns out being, you know, the dad. Little ears turn away. Wait, spoiler alert. Really? Okay, big ears turn away too, (laughs) (laughs) apparently. No, uh, so Boston church leaders tried to have that song banned in the 1950s because, quote, it promoted physical intimacy. Now, this was back in the day when television, like husband and wives on television, slept in separate beds. Right, yeah, and bathing suits were all one pieces and, I don't know, flowing gowns and stuff like that. Didn't really have, I mean... Less skin shown, less intimacy shown on television, which I mean, a very wholesome era. Legs were too much. Way too much. Who so, had legs? <laughs> the singer Jimmy Boyd, 13 years old, had to fly to Boston and explain to them why it was not obscene. What? Uh, the archdiocese lifted the ban on the song uh, and more headlines were made. Great publicity for a song that had already sold an astonishing 2 million copies in its first week of release. That's ridiculous. Yeah, really popular song. And it seems like a, I'm noticing a trend of like 50s and 60s people trying to get songs banned or... Yeah, like, or, or like petitioning against a song being pushed to radio or right? being heard publicly. Uh, we even talked about that in one of our podcasts previously as well. No kissing uh, in the 1950s. It's nope. It's too D- intimate. I don't even know how the population continued... If right. there were no kissing. Well, toilets. Toilet seats. Oh, uh, yeah. Pregnancy. You could catch pregnancy. Yep. Catch pregnancy from toilet seats. <laughs> Pregnart. <laughs> Pregonte. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so being a drummer, one of my favorite Christmas songs growing up was Little Drummer Boy. pa pum pum It was actually originally called Carol of the Drums, uh, when written by Catherine Davis, and it was based off of a Czech carol um, in 1941. But there's already a carol of something else. Yeah, so instead of Carol of the Bells, we'll call this one Carol of the Drums, but nope. Little Drummer Boy is what it ended up being. There you go. Hey, have you ever heard the song, uh, it's not as popular, called Dominic the Donkey? <laughs> you know I have not. Okay, it's here. We'll play it real quick. Jingity jing, <SAYS> it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, <stüt> the Italian Christmas donkey. La La-la-la. la la La-la-la-la-la-la. la 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 It's just one of those, you know, happy-go-lucky, whatever, Christmas songs. So Lumonte recorded that in 1960, um, but it didn't gain popularity in Great Britain until years later. And you want to know why? Why? Ask why, Jake. Why? Why? Tell me why. Well, here's the story. So the BBC Radio 1 DJ, which is named Chris Moyles, who called his minions or listeners, whatever you want to call them, to elevate the song in a British iTunes chart. Um, he summoned his people. He was like, okay, everybody, call in and request the uh, Dominic Do- the Donkey song. Okay, so everybody does it and whatever. And it hit number three, and it sold 93,000 units. Cool. I mean, that's great. So Monty, the songwriter, who was Italian, received support from the Gambino crime family, which is one of the biggest mafia families ever in the U.S., um, the head of that, Carlo Gambino, was the family boss in the 60s and often gave loans to make a profit. So if he saw like potential way of making money, he like, yeah, here, take some money, give me back my cut plus 10% or whatever it may be. I don't know. So he actually funded the recording of this song to Lou Monty. And the mob wasn't exactly in the music business, but they were known for helping out singers such as Frank Sinatra. So dominic the donkey gained popularity the only reason we know about it is basically because the mob the mob put money into the song the mob funded the recording and promotion of uh dominic the donkey oh wow yeah thanks mob i wish the mob uh, was into rock music right now it's, it's all <laughs> i know, I'm saying i know a guy well up on the housetop click 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 down through the chimney Old Saint Nick. So it was written by Benjamin Hanby in eighteen sixty four when you were just a young lad. Yeah, barely. Um, barely barely writing my old name. Yeah. I think. <laughs> That's because you didn't learn to write till you were fifty. That's weird. Um it was the first song to mention Santa. Old Saint Nick. Hamby drew his inspiration from the Clement Clark Moore poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. Both deal with the notion of a sleigh on a roof and going down the chimney, something that was absent from prior Father Christmas or Sinterklaas uh, incarnations. So Sinterklaas, right? Yes. Santa Claus, Sinterklaas. Makes sense. Sounds Uh, sounds German. The Dutch Santa. Okay. (laughs) Doesn't even go down chimneys. Uh, his assistant Black Pete does <laughs> what? yep I never knew Santa had a, a little sidekick named Black Pete right so he sent Black Pete down the chimney to deliver the toys and he was just lazy and stayed up there he was probably black from all the, uh, the soot yeah that makes sense Mary Poppins style and there you go the most interesting thing I learned about that first of all that's the first song that mentions Santa Claus but second of all that Santa had a, an assistant named Black Pete yep that's just gonna be sticky. I'm gonna google this <laughs> Okay, so we mentioned this a minute ago about um, a couple of these writers, but did you know that tons of Christmas songs, the songs that we sing for Christmas... You mean Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus. Right, Christmas songs were written by Jewish songwriters. You're kidding. Let's just, I, I put a list here, I'll share it with you here, and we can just go down the list. Okay, so Felix Bernard and Richard B. Smith wrote Winter Wonderland. Which I mean, I mean, should we sing it around Christmas? But I could see give him a pass. It's not necessarily a Christmas song. Fine. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I quit. Johnny Marks, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, I guess still kind of a like. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. uh, But he also wrote Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Okay. Now that's blatant. Not the menorah. Nope. Rockin' Around the menorah. This doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't. Um, so singer Brenda Lee recorded the original version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree when she was only 13 years old. What's up with all the 13-year-olds recording Christmas tunes? And so I'm telling you, man, we need to put on a Christmas song. Okay, so I know that recording, and it's definitely, she doesn't sound 13. I mean, she sounds young, but not 13. Well, he also wrote Holly Jolly Christmas and Run, Rudolph, Run. Okay, so definitely some blatant Christmas references. Run, run Rudolph. Another Jewish songwriter, Irving Berlin, we talked about a second ago, wrote White Christmas uh and then julie stein and sammy khan let it snow which is not even a christmas song at all uh never mentions christmas well then let's take it off the list (laughs) albert Haig wrote you're a mean one mr grinch okay so this one's cool i was doing a little bit of research into this you're a mean one so the person singing it who you're emulating right now is Thurl ravenscroft do you know that name at all no i always thought it was the guy that did darth vader's voice it's the guy who did the voice for uh tony the tiger for frosted flakes they're great. Same guy. Also did characters for Disney rides and shows, including Buff from the Country Bears Jamboree. That's awesome. Yeah. Now you know. Well, the more you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans. Silver Bells. We talked about that one. Tinkle Bells. Mel Torme. We all know the name Mel Torme. Um, he wrote the Christmas song, um, which we know as Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Did you know about that song? Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. It was uh, it was written in a heat wave in 1944. That's ironic. So basically during this heat wave, he was just trying to, his best to do anything to stay cool and decided to write things on a piece of paper. And how that's how this song came to be. He probably felt like chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> He's like, what do I feel right now? Roasting on a fire. Write it down. Walter Kent, Jewish. I'll be home for Christmas. So, that's, so there so. Seems to be an abnormally large amount of Christmas songs written by non-Christmas celebrating people. Well, there you go. I guess that uh, just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to uh, have to believe in it. Or I mean, and the thing is too. I you know, Christmas now, while sure, yes, the reason for the season uh, is to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, we know that he was not born in the winter at all. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, it's a holiday season that people celebrate whether they believe in, in God or not. It's just a good festive time of year to get together with family and friends and share things and eat good food. Um, and personally I do celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, and I know you do too, uh, as well, Jake. That's right. Love me some Christmas. So we've got all these songs, right? All these Christmas songs we've talked about, a little bit of facts about them and little, little random things from the history and how they came to be. And even the writers and how lots of them didn't even celebrate Christmas, but they wrote these cool songs. Let's talk about how we hear these songs. Well, you know, last year, our band, as we ascend, we had had a song up on the radio. It was a song we have called wash away. Right. And it was doing really well. And it was about time for us to pick another single. I remember. And it was December. The album was done recording. We were mixing it around this time and we're looking, all right, what's our next single going to be? Uh, we were still trying to get Wash Away to push up the charts. One last big push. And right before Christmas, uh, our radio promoter tells us, don't even waste your time. Not because worth it. No. Nope. right now, nobody is playing anything but Christmas music. It basically freezes the charts, right? Yep. So if you were, if, like, like us, we had a song that's doing fairly well on the charts. On radio, they're like, pause, we're switching the Christmas 24 7. Okay, and for years, I'm going to admit this, that irritated the crap out of me. Like, I love Christmas time. I love it. I think Christmas time is great. I think it should be celebrated after Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is its own thing. Respect I agree. The, respect the turkey. <laughs> like, and we should just be singing jingle bells year round um, just to celebrate the turkey day because that was written for Thanksgiving, remember? I mean, there's trees going up before Halloween now. And that's not acceptable in my book. However, okay, so radio stations made this decision that they're going to switch to playing Christmas songs 24-7, probably around Thanksgiving, sometimes before. In fact, in 2011, over 100 Clear Channel, if you remember, Clear Channel owns, like, it's a huge radio network. They own tons of stations in the United States. Everything. Over 100 of those stations switched to playing nothing but Christmas songs in December. And you might think, okay, what's that do for ratings? What's that do for promotions and money for the stations? Actually, they raked it in. Bazinga. And uh, they found that it actually doubles their earnings. Their ratings double during the Christmas season. Well, in 2013, a Syracuse station started playing Christmas music 11 weeks before the holiday on October 5th. It is their fault. I would be mad. I would be mad if I were in Syracuse listening to the station there. It's like, I'm not ready for Christmas yet. Um, Did you know that Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas was the most played song in 2012 for a New York uh, radio market. I'm surprised it's not the most played song in all markets every year. I mean, New York is a huge radio market, right? I mean, millions and millions of listeners right. daily. Yeah. And they have 365 days a year to play music. And to say that All I Want for Christmas was the most played song in 2012 for in that New York. whole year. In that whole market. Wow. That's ridiculous. Goodness. But, you know, if we're not listening to music on the radio, we got to hear it somehow, Right. We're singing it. Have you ever Christmas carol before? I have. I've went to um, a couple of veterans homes in a hospital and I've never gone like door to door to do it, but I have gone to a hospital and a couple of veterans homes and sang uh, either with a group, the like choir type situation or uh, like a quartet. So when I was a teen, every Christmas we would uh, do a big hay ride. We would uh, load hay bales in the back of a flatbed trailer and then all of us teensters um, would hop in the back, freezing cold, right, and drive around my small town of Portales, New Mexico, and sing Christmas carols. Uh, we would pull up in front of homes and drive through neighborhoods, and it was a, a cool thing. Look at lights. Um, but yeah, we would go Christmas caroling. Like, are are people still carol- caroling? <laughs> I I mean, I've had a home. I've been an adult and had homes, um, for the past you know decade or two, or ten, as you would say, and ten decades, ten decades, and never i've never once had people knock on our door and start singing well this is a little off topic i happen to know that a group of t-rexes were at your (laughs) home a couple of nights ago i was i was at home i was at home but yes there there was a group of of neighborhood teenagers who got those uh costumes those inflatable t-rex costumes and they went around the neighborhood and a set map pattern on the map and uh and uh, where, I don't know if they were, I think they were caroling. Yeah, that's what I, I understand. Oh man, and I wasn't home. I was, <laughs> and I was in the studio. So yes, people do still Christmas carol. So caroling as just a thing yeah, is not new. It's not a hundred years old. It might even be older than you. I'm not sure because it's <laughs> thousands of years old. Uh, yeah, almost as old as you. Um, Thousands of years old caroling actually started in europe uh thousands of years ago and had nothing to do with christmas at all what nope they are so just singing like random songs well you hey, want to hear a song <laughs> well it was it was an act of worship uh to pagan gods they what they, carols were sung at the winter solstice uh and they danced around uh, around stone circles that's very very interesting that sounds dark Right. Well, the word carol originally meant to dance to something, so you could just carol all the time. Like, hey, it's my favorite song. Let's carol, jive, 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 jive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they used to be uh, written and sung for all four seasons, but only the tradition of singing them at Christmas has actually survived. So wait, there used to be like let's sing spring carols. Yep, let's go, let's go summer caroling. What's your favorite Halloween carol? <laughs> um, uh, put some candy in my bag. Trick, 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 to trick, trick, trick. Nope. Nope. Man. Okay. So wait, you were saying that only Christmas has really survived. Obviously, obviously, cause I don't hear of spring carols anymore or anything like that. Right. Well, and I think, you know, most of the, most of the carols we know are, you know, Christmassy surrounded by Christmas. Yeah. Um, they were, uh, kind of taken over by, by Christians.
1: That, as, that as, makes
0: sense. Like, yeah, the birth of Jesus and right. let's take this tradition and let's make it our own. Christians kind of did that with a lot of things. Easter is another example of that, that they took over. It was a celebration of, of uh, fertility. What? Yep, yep. That's a podcast for another day. Rabbits laying eggs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they took over uh, caroling and started calling it Christmas caroling. Uh, the earliest carol like this was written in 1410. But unfortunately, only a small fragment of the song even still exists. I would love to hear it. Um, it was, Well, it was about Mary and Jesus meeting different people in Bethlehem. just like so, walking around. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Here we have Fred. <laughs> Fred's a cool guy. This is like walking around singing about the people. Hi, Fred. <laughs> my name is Jesus. <laughs> Hope you're having a nice day. That's <laughs> my favorite Christmas carol. That was Jesus singing in 1410. Uh, right. <laughs> 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 he had a low voice, apparently, and spoke English. So, okay. Before carol singing in public actually became popular, I do know that sometimes the official carol singers were called Waits. Wait. Exactly. W A I T S. So these were bands of people led by important local leaders, such as council leaders or whatever you want to call them, um, who had the only power in the towns and villages to take money from the public. Because um, if others did this, they were sometimes charged as beggars. But wait. Exactly. That wait. still doesn't explain why they're called Waits. They were called Waits because. They only sang on Christmas Eve, which was sometimes known as a watch night or a wait night because of the shepherds um, that were watching their sheep okay. when the angels appeared to them. So uh, when the Christmas celebration began, they are called waits. Well, to that, Christmas caroling uh, was often done by people who didn't have a lot of money or a lot of things. Uh, so if you were really poor... You could go around Christmas caroling, and there's a very popular Christmas carol called We Wish You a Merry Christmas. So that's why the council leaders would go around and, and uh, k- carol with them so they wouldn't be labeled as beggars or get kicked out of the town or village. Yep. Because they were the only ones allowed to take in money from strangers or people. Yep. So We Wish You a Merry Christmas is actually an English folk song from the 1500s, uh, and it's from a time when poor carolers would hit up wealthy listeners for handouts okay that makes sense the weights yeah right um and it's kind of cheeky uh it's it's meant to be sung a little bit in jest so i've always wondered this bit about uh now bring us some figgy pudding what is figgy pudding right um uh, like so bring um, us some figgy pudding a modern version might be like a fruitcake so bring us a fruitcake (laughs) Doesn't sing as well. So the line is now: bring us some figgy pudding over and over again, right? Uh, and bring it right here. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. Now that is kind of begging. Uh, so bring it right here, right? Kind of demanding. Um, and uh, and so they literally were asking for food. They didn't have food. It's Christmas Eve. They're out caroling. They would go to the rich people's homes and uh, kind of like kind of like kids do on halloween like you go to the big houses and you know you're gonna get the best candy yeah they would go to the rich folks houses and, and ask start for figgy pudding ask for figgy pudding was it something that is kept on hand
1: all I right honey yeah. let me go to
0: the refrigerator and pick up some figgy pudding <laughs> again i think it you know it's kind of cheeky but it was like just give us something please and like and bring it right here on and its and we won't go until we get some <laughs> we're gonna keep singing the song till you bring us some we're it's gonna like, keep singing the song dang it what do we got i don't know we got some Twizzlers under the couch, <laughs> like just take this and go. <laughs> Twizzlers. <laughs> um, so the the line and a Happy New Year. Yeah, uh, that didn't come around till much later, probably the 1700s, because the New Year wasn't a week after Christmas. What? Yeah. So like in the 1700s, we it was just Christmas was Christmas on December 25th. Do we know? Um, and I'm not sure, um, but New Year's was definitely not right a week after. Right. New Year's was not a week after. Uh, and it wasn't that way. Uh, January first wasn't considered the new year in the Western world until the 1700s. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, the uh, and a happy new year was not added until later. Uh, and that's why you don't hear much about the new year and any Christmas carols or Christmas songs that are that are old, uh, huh. because it wasn't then they were not they were not around the same time. I wonder what the original ending lyric to uh, <laughs> to we wish you a Merry Christmas was. So we got some figgy pudding. <laughs> it has a nice ring to it. I like it. We got the end of the song. man. So that's interesting. I've learned a lot about New Year's now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a good Christmas song, ask a Jew. Well, now you know, whenever you're singing those Christmas songs next week, uh, you'll have a, a little bit of info to, to tell your family about where, they're, where they came from and why they're singing them. Right. So I think my favorite one, if I had to pick one of these facts from, from all these things that we, we got to tell you, I think it's the fact that Jingle Bells is not a Christmas song. Like it's written for Thanksgiving, right? For me, the, uh, the We Wish You a Merry Christmas being a, a ploy by poor Englishmen and women begging for money and food. Uh, I think that that's really, really fascinating, really interesting and, and funny. And it was interesting how Fidel Castro made an appearance on this podcast. Right. (laughs) Like, who knew that he had anything to do with a Christmas song? Right. And that uh, the star with the the tail is... As big as a kite. A missile. Right? I mean, I guess that makes sense. When you think about it, when you think about the lyrics, it does make sense. But that's my whole childhood is a shame. So, Merry Christmas to all of you listening, um, and Happy Hanukkah or Festivus for the rest of us, or Kwanzaa. Yes, whatever you celebrate, all whatever the you're things, celebrating. Happy that to you. Happy, happy nothingness if you don't celebrate Christmas. You're right. Sure. Um, hopefully, uh, you're still enjoying this time of year and, uh, and and some of these fun songs. Thank you, especially to Real Sound Productions. Uh, for putting on this podcast for us. And thank you, Robert Venable, for doing such incredible research once again. Oh, likewise, Jake. You did a lot of cool things. I didn't know that much about caroling, which is interesting. I, I think i can go sing to somebody now. <laughs> Not around a circle of stones, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This episode is going to be mixed by Jake Jones, edited by Robert Venable, and uh, listened to by you. Say your name. And sing it like a Christmas carol. Hey, did you listen past this part of the last episode? Because if you didn't, we left a little treat in there for you. That's right. If you're used to turning it off right now, like, oh, this is the end of the podcast. uh, You should listen past the credits of the last episode. That's right. Um, Can they hear me now? Yeah. Check that one out. So uh, until, I think, you know, we're not going to be back until next year. That's right. So let's hit let's hit them on January first. That's a Monday, right? That's a Monday, January first. Brand new year, 2018. We're going to hit you with a brand new podcast. We're going to take this next week off to celebrate Christmas Day uh, with the families. So uh, hopefully you are too. And if you don't have family, maybe you have a friend. Maybe get someone a phone call or a text or shoot us a message online, at Twitter or Instagram at Turned Up Podcast, and we will reply to you and wish you happy Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa Cup best of us Hanukkah to all of you too (laughs) at Facebook's your thing facebook.com slash turned up podcast and of course always turned up podcast.com hey thanks for uh, the ratings and reviews you've given us and if you haven't yet please do so because it's actually helping us and we're staying at the top of the charts uh, which is bringing on more listeners which gives us the platform to be able to provide more and more awesome content and facts and fiction to you (laughs) via our podcast every week and if Robert got something wrong because I never get anything wrong uh, make it's sure and let us fault. know. It's uh, it's all his fault. Yeah, I, please call us out on any errors because I think that might be fun for a podcast in the future to like, hey, here's all the things we got wrong. And so far you guys haven't called us out on anything so I guess we can just make up stuff and you guys wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this was a fun one. And uh, happy holidays in all seriousness. Merry Christmas to you and yours. This is Nashville signing out. And a happy new year. Got my figgy pudding. Peace.